Welcome aboard to the Counter Vortex once again with uh, your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you on uh, May 3rd. Uh, joined online tonight via the magic of Zoom with um, Daniel Woldu in uh, Denver, Colorado, who is uh, uh, a member of an organization called Amna Tigre. And uh, he is from the uh, Tigrayan people of Ethiopia and is going to be speaking with us about the uh, extremely horrific situation that has been going on in that part of the world. Right. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. So you're in uh, in Colorado? I am in uh, the Mile High City, yeah, Denver, Colorado. Uh-huh, Denver, terrific. Yeah, absolutely. It's an amazing city. It's a little rainy right now outside, but it's... Uh, when were you last in Ethiopia? Uh, in 2018. Uh-huh. I went to visit um, for about a month, maybe five weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was a graduation for my little cousin uh, in uh, Makale. The capital city of Tigray, and uh, which is the capital of Tigray region. Yeah, exactly. That's right. right. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you, so you've been following the uh, horrific events there, as we have remotely. Yeah, intensively actually, because uh, I've talked to people who are there uh, uh, to some degree, and then uh, also we get information that comes in. We follow it a lot, so uh, probably a little bit more than you. Uh, for, for personal reasons, you know, we have families that are impacted by the conflict. Uh, right, of course. But yes, yes. So uh, what are you doing, just uh, for background, what, what are you doing with your life in, um, in Denver? Well, so I'm a, I'm a financial consultant by profession. Uh, so I, uh, I work in, um, I work for a not-for-profit organization that helps people uh, save up for retirement. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, families actually help those that uh, work in um, uh, institutions uh, like schools and, and uh, medical facilities basically have a good retirement accounts by the time they retire. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, can you tell us about Amna Tigre, the organization that you work with? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amna is uh, Amna Tigre. Is an uh, um, advocacy group that works to um, end the conflict in Tigray, uh, as well as the economic development of um, of Tigray and Tigrayans across the world. It's a, a, it's a collective of young professionals from all over the world who work together for a common cause. Basically, uh -huh. so the uh, the Tigray diaspora, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. Does that have much of a presence on the ground in, in Ethiopia as well? Well, it's very difficult to have any uh, presence in Ethiopia at this current moment because of uh, uh, what, what we're seeing right now is that Tigrayans um, in Tigray or across Ethiopia are being targeted. And so it's very, very hard for them to speak up or advocate for uh, their people in Ethiopia. Right. And so we, we don't want to jeopardize people's livelihoods by having them join our advocacy group when we have a um, good number of young professionals uh, abroad in the West and also um, in the Middle East would uh, step up and help basically. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't technically, uh, we want to bring in maybe in the future as we're working to develop uh, a sound system that would help rebuild Tigray. 
Uh, as you know, maybe right now, uh, I think Tigray is in a very dire situation where all, all of what Tigray is, the society, the infrastructure that was there was destroyed. Because of that, you have uh, a lot of rebuilding that would need to happen. So we would need to have people on the ground to also assist with that, uh, with that process. But, so in general, we do, um, we do hope to expand, have more people, more young individuals to join us from Ethiopia and from the Tigray region. But for the time being, it's only folks from abroad. Right. And I would imagine that uh, a lot of your <clears throat> effort now is focused on just raising the alarm about the uh, extremely horrific situation which has been unfolding there in the past few months. Exactly, yeah. So our main, uh, our main work is to advocate for um, uh, Tigray, what's taking place right now, uh, making sure that uh, we, we call for... Um, you know, independent investigation to the atrocities that took place in Tigray. Uh, independent meaning, um, you know, UN-led or something from the Western world that have no no stake in what the results may look like. And so, um, but our, our work has been on the ground, bringing awareness, uh, making sure that some of the incidents that took place in Tigray get coverage. Uh, and and people are aware. The Western world is aware of what's taking place, and, and hopefully that we. Okay, get... well, I'm somewhat um, uh, relieved actually that you are using the past tense and talking about the uh, the atrocities that took place. Because yes. uh, I've I'm sort of been wondering to to what extent uh, you know we're we're over the worst of it at this point. I mean, the situation kind of uh, began to escalate. Uh, what uh, uh, September October of last year when Tigray region in the north of Ethiopia went to kid with, um, with elections uh, in defiance of the central government in Addis Ababa, which had um, ordered them suspended, uh, ostensibly as a measure uh, to, you know, in response to the pandemic. And uh, <clears throat> the, uh, this uh, led to a showdown between Tigray and the, and the federal government of Ethiopia uh, ultimately resulted in uh, Ethiopian federal army troops invading and uh, neighboring Eritrea also invading on the side of the of the central government. And uh, there were reports of terrible atrocities taking place. Finally, the uh, the government, uh, the regional government of Tigray was deposed and a government um, appointed by the central government, well, a regional government appointed by the central government was placed in power. So uh, as things begun to stabilize over this, uh, oh, after this really horrific episode that we've witnessed over the past, what, six months, I guess? Well, <clears throat> things that I want to make sure that, uh, that you're, you're aware of, because uh, although everything escalated because of the elections, uh, the, the, the events that took place in the last three years uh, since the coming of Abiy Ahmed, the selected individual to lead the country, um, in which he was selected to lead the transitional period of the two years between 2018 and 2020, which would have led us to an election in 2020 that would have brought in a democratically elected leader that would lead the country uh, moving forward. It started, it started in 2018 when he came in. Um, he used phrases like daytime hyenas in reference to trans uh, he um, blocked the roads that connect uh, the central from Addis Ababa to Tigray. Uh, 
or this was all before the, uh, the current crisis over the elections. Exactly. Exactly. In the span of the last three years, um, the, the, the roads, the major roads to Tigray were blocked off. Uh, so there were uh, inflation problems within Tigray because things weren't getting to Tigray in a timely fashion. And they were have to go a different route, circling around a region to get to Tigray. So uh, this made it very difficult for Tigrayans the regular average Tigrayans who lived in Tigray. It was a locust invasion that uh, that spanned in um, the Horn of Africa, but primarily it hit uh, Eastern Ethiopia and Northern Ethiopia and primarily Tigray. Uh, there was no federal assistance to help the people of Tigray at the time. Uh, and then you have the COVID uh, crisis that came in last year. In COVID, also there was no assistance to the uh, people of Tigray, masks and, and and kits that you need for testing that weren't uh, provided to the people of Tigray. Investors who came in to invest in Tigray uh, were not allowed to go to Tigray. They were uh, being withheld by the federal government. So there are many, many pressuring points that, that took place within um, within the federal government, from the federal government on the people of Tigray. And so it was a buildup. And then uh, the, the, the election being held in Tigray, one thing that um, you know uh, we we emphasize on is that Tigray uh, believes in the in its constitutional right for self determination. Meaning, um, Tigray as a region believes in in holding elections every five years, no matter what the circumstances are, to, to elect the leaders that they choose to be part of of the the, the government of Tigray. Uh, that was seen as. Uh, uh, a threat to the federal government in, in Addis Ababa. And because of that, in the past two years, even prior to that election, the Ethiopian government was openly working with the Eritrean government to build a plan together to invade Tigray. Uh, okay, and to, as, to, to what in Tigray? To invade Tigray. Oh, yes? To, to, so, so, so what you're seeing now, uh, if you look back on some of the footage where you would see the dictator Isaias Afwerki from Eritrea visiting military camps within Ethiopia, um, you're seeing the Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed going to Eritrea to the military camp, basically visiting each other's military camps, building and strategizing. You knew, we all knew that war was coming. Okay, this was uh, even before things came to a head uh, late last year. Before the election, yeah. yes. Yes. Or, now, this so, is very ironic on multiple levels. Yes. Uh, one of which being that, um, well, the outside world had very little um, awareness of what was happening. And, uh, you know, Abiy Ahmed was, to the extent that people were paying attention to Ethiopia at all, he was viewed very favorably. I mean, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for making peace with Eritrea yes. and with the Oromo rebels. And uh, there was a sense that there was a kind of an Ethiopian spring going on after, uh, you know, successive. Uh, you know, fairly authoritarian regimes. So uh, yes. you were skeptical of um, Abiy Ahmed from the start? Or did well, things kind of take you by surprise? I think many Tigrayans were uh, excited to have Abiy Ahmed come to power and, and transition the country um, to a newer height. Um, as you know, uh, Ethiopia for the last 20 years have had um, a double-digit GDP growth within the country. It believed in scaling up its efforts to rebuilding the country um, after the military junta group that was leading the country in the 70s, 80s, and then uh, was ousted in early 90s. 
So that, that was Mengistu. Mengistu Alamariam and uh, the communist uh, uh, military. It was a military government. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a government government that functioned well, for people. Yeah. It, was, it was a military government. So after ousting that uh, regime, um, the EPRDF, a collective of four coalition of parties that came together, came together to structure a system that allowed all the ethnic groups within Ethiopia have um, self-rule, meaning so like in Tigray, only people that are Tigrayans can lead Tigray. In Amhara, only an Amhara person can lead Amhara. In Oromia, only an Oromo person can lead Oromia. There were individuals that were from those states that can actually lead those, those regions. And so fast forward um, to 2018, this is where you decentralize power, basically. You decentralize power for the last 30 years. And when Abiy Ahmed came in uh, in 2018, uh, you start to see right away, you start to see centralizing power back into Addis Ababa, Unitarian system where uh, the elites would have a say in what takes place within the country and not the actual people. And so um, that phenomenon, as it was building up, uh, it became a problem. Um, you mentioned the, the Oromo Liberation Front who were uh, outside of the country who were brought back in, um, started arming themselves and, and organizing in, in Western Oromia. And you see them being a big force now in the, in the fight to uh, moving into Addis Ababa. Uh, you have the issue in, in Tigray. Uh, there were other issues in Pidama and um, Walaita, the Southern People Nation and Nationalities who were asking for self-rule. So more and more of ethnic groups uh, were coming out and saying, hey, we want to protect the right that we have of self-governance. We don't want others from outside to come in to tell us how to be. Uh, the vast majority of Ethiopians don't believe in the unitarian system. They don't believe in having... Uh, someone appointed to lead their uh, region. They want to want to lead their own region. Uh, with that in mind, uh, All right, it, so uh, uh, when was uh, the uh, the regional leaders? When, when were they appointed? During, so during when, which period were they appointed? So Abiy Ahmed uh, appointed basically almost everybody in the country except for the Tigray region. He appointed. Right, yes, uh, now because because you know there's been this crisis there over the past six months. Before that, before that, before uh, that, the, 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 Oromia, the Oromia leader was appointed by Abiy Ahmed. Oh, yes? Yes, you can look this up. Uh, the Amhara, uh, which is another, another thing to look into, an uh, in Amhara region in the last uh, three years, there have been three or four leaders, regional leaders. Meaning uh -huh. they, they were one would be replaced by taking him to the federal government and making him as a foreign minister at some point, one of the leaders, the early leaders, and got replaced uh, by another individual. Then the other individual got killed. He was assassinated in a meeting. Uh, if you know the June killings of 2019, I believe. Uh, that happened, and he was replaced by another gentleman. And, and then that other gentleman also uh, was replaced by the newer uh, regional government in Amhara region. Uh, and so and then you see the, the change in power in the Afar region. Uh, you see the change in power, meaning if you were to look into the leadership changes that happened in different states outside of Tigray, you would know that uh, Abiy Ahmed put in uh, favorable peoples to, to lead those regions or uh, the Somali region. Somali region, he, um, uh, 
uh, uh, he put the Somali region president in prison and appointed another individual to lead the Somali region. Yeah, there's been a general centralization of rule. Exactly. For, um, Abiy Ahmed. Yes. So this is why I mean, um, we, we go from having a multinational federalism where the multiple, the various ethnic groups in Ethiopia would have power and they would come to the federal government and decide on the faith of the, 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 the federal government. And we're going away from that by having uh, leaders who would lead different regions. And basically the power lies on one individual at the top. So that's, that's been the, one of the fundamental uh, reasons to why um, he waged the, the genocidal war on Tigray. Because Tigray refused that. Tigray uh, held a successful election where 2.7 million people uh, went to the ballots and elected uh, their, their respected leaders um, who are currently fighting uh, in, in the mountains of Tigray against the invading forces of Eritrea, against the uh, invading forces of the Ethiopian National Defense Force, as well as the Damhara um, uh, militias and the special forces who have crossed over from the Mahara region unconstitutionally to Tigray invade and annex uh, Western and Southern Tigray. So you have so many moving parts. I'm sorry, that's, that's Eritrea is trying to annex those regions. No, no, no. The Amhara militias. Oh, the Amhara militias. Are right, also those, trying to, uh, yeah, they're trying to annex Western Tigray and Southern Tigray. So Western and Southern Tigray. Right, so they're trying to change the internal borders exactly. uh, of, of Ethiopia. That's right. That's right. So, so, so a lot of moving parts, as well as um, there are many credible reports where uh, UAE were using uh, drones, drone attacks in Tigray in November, December, and I think January as well. So, uh, you know, sophisticated modern weaponization. You know, United Arab Emirates. That's right. Uh, on, on the side of the central government, I, I assume. That's right. That's right. Interesting. Huh. And they were flying out of uh, Berchin uh, base in Aseb. And this is also the same place where uh, UAE drones were being launched. This is, uh, again, reports uh, where they were bombing Yemen. Um, so, so they've scrapped that program from what I've heard and what I've read. Uh, and uh, now that base no longer exists. Mm. Early on in the first three months, uh, drone attacks were immense in destroying and and atrocities that took place because of the drone attacks are, are significant. Okay, and they're fighting the, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, which had been the government of Tigray region, but was uh, deposed in the fighting and is now waging an insurgency. Well, so uh, the, the Tigray People's Liberation Front is a political party, okay? And then you have the Tigray Defense Forces, and this is a makeup of um, Tigray militias, Tigray Special Forces, uh, that are joining together to fight against all, all the Eritrean troops, the Ethiopian troops, as well as the, the Amhara militias and special forces. So uh, to characterize um, the military in Tigray that is fighting against all these invading forces as together, uh, in my opinion, is wrong, uh, because TPLF is just a political party. Right, right, but right. The yeah. forces aligned with the TPLF. Yeah, so the forces that align with the regional government. So, so it's a regional government that was elected in September. So. Right, um, which is not which is now deposed. Well, yes, yeah. it, it, technically they, they have appointed a new administration in Tigray, uh, but you know uh, there's an act of fighting that's taking place in Tigray. 
Right, you don't recognize it as legitimate, of course. It's not legitimate because it was appointed by Abu Muhammad. They're not elected officials. These are not um, folks that that were that were selected by the people. Uh, you know, the people didn't vote for them. They, they were appointed from Adi Sababa from the rural Tigray. Uh, many of them have actually been uh, uh, fired from their jobs, or they have uh, uh, so, so some of them don't have any any meaningful power. To, to be quite frank. Uh, right now, it seems like the Eritrean uh, military uh, basically makes decisions on the things that take place uh, in Tigray. Uh, one example I can give you is that there is a general, um, General Johannes is his name, who is uh, who's heading this uh, report. Uh, general Johannes is a Tigrayan, and uh, he has um, said that we will ask the Eritrean troops if they would allow us access to certain areas, meaning. Uh, that tells you directly that the Eritrean uh, military forces uh, control access to a large part of, especially northern Tigray. So, so right. humanitarian aid is, is unable to go to certain places because the Eritrean troops would not allow access to those certain areas. Uh, and, uh, right, they've been blocking aid. Blocking they're, aid they're one. Blocking and looting aid supplies, I understand. And looting yes. aid and taking them to Eritrea. Uh, and there's been a general uh, purge of um, of ethnic Tigrayans from the uh, the civil service and so on, and mass roundups. That's right. So yeah. what's happening is um, any anyone who is a Tigrayan, whether they are in uh, um, uh, the peacekeepers in different countries like in Sudan, South Sudan, in Somalia, and, and other places in Africa, uh, one are being rounded and taken into prison. That's one. Two within Ethiopia. In the Ethiopian National Defense Forces, uh, uh, ethnic Tigrayans are being targeted and put in prison or house arrest for being Tigrayan. Not, not for a crime they have committed or anything they've done, just for being Tigrayan. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, we've also seen um, uh, uh, Tigrayans who work with uh, um, federal institutions like the Ethiopian Airlines, Ethiopian Telecom, who have been fired from their jobs just because they're Tigrayans. Or they have been imprisoned, or you know, uh, there are reports that the, the, the head, the CEO of Ethiopian Airlines, the largest airline in, in, in Africa, uh, has been put in house arrest. This is something that uh, that uh, has been reported on. We haven't heard um, directly from the Ethiopian Airlines officials or from the federal government on his uh, whereabouts or his his, his uh, situation, but there have been reports that he's on house arrest. So. What we're seeing is um, a targeting of uh, ethnic Tigrayans in much of Ethiopian society. Uh, and early on, uh, there were a lot of reports that are coming in that um, homes were being raided, uh, Tigrayan homes were being raided. Uh, some individuals have been in prison. These are just regular folks that live regular life uh, who've been imprisoned for being Tigrayans and, and um, they have to pay significant amount of money to be released or they still remain in, in, in prison. Uh, no due process, no uh, representation. Uh, and then there are also documentaries that are published from time to time, humanizing Tigrayans, so that you get the public, uh, public perception of that they're all evil, you shouldn't, um, whatever we do shouldn't be questioned. That makes sense. So it's, it's a very, very, uh, Whole time to be at the grind. Broadcast on television, radio, I mean, or just being circulated on social media. These are these are, uh, there have been documentaries in the last three years, um, uh, uh, and and those documentaries are published in 
that's state-ran media. So uh, ETV, FANA, uh, WALTA, these are state-run TV stations who are basically the mouthpiece to the government. And um, most of them mentioned that it was a Pirinha speaker who committed uh, heinous crimes or something in the last 30 years. It, it's just, you know, instead of allowing the judicial system to carry out the conversation or to, to actually have a, um, a, a, a lawful order, they, they, they are populating documentaries that would actually tarnish the, the, the livelihood of the Tigrayans. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right, to try to make sense of some of this in historical context, uh, I'm just gonna lay out the, you know, the basics of the, what's gone on over the past couple of generations as I understand it, and uh, you can tell me if you view it similarly. Uh, I mean, under the old monarchy, which was overthrown in 1975, I believe, the, uh, the Amharas had sort of um, been the, uh, the dominant ethnicity, which kind of had a, a monopoly on power, uh, even though uh, they're, uh, they're, they're not the majority. There isn't a clear-cut majority in Ethiopia. I think that the uh, Oromo constitute a plurality. They're the largest ethnic group in the country, but even they aren't a majority. In any event, the, the Amharas, which I believe would be the second most populous group in the country, uh, were kind of favored under, under the old monarchy. That did not change when Mengistu came to power in his revolution in, um, in 1975. The Amharas continued to be on top, even though Ethiopia moved from the American sphere to the Soviet sphere. Mm -hmm. Then, um, and uh, <clears throat> under, uh, under the rule of Mejistu, the Tigrayans were really sort of subject to genocide. The, uh, again, you had the, probably in a, a situation even worse than today, aid was being denied to the Tigray region in the midst of the famine. And uh, there were forcible relocations of the Tigrayans away from their homeland. And uh, <clears throat> there was this whole sort of politicization of the famine during, uh, during the 1980s. Finally, uh, Mengistu was overthrown in 1991 and uh, Mele Sanawi came to power. He himself was Tigrayan. And then uh, you had a situation where Ethiopia was ostensibly ruled by the, uh, the EPRDF, the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Front. But uh, it was perceived at least that the uh, Tigray People's Liberation Front, which was, um, which was uh, Mele Sanawi's own group, was kind of the real power behind the EPRDF. And the, the Tigrayans were sort of favored to a certain degree under uh, Mele Sanawi, who in any event, even if there was a certain decentralization of power, he was still running a pretty authoritarian regime. Then he died in 2012. Uh, <clears throat> and after a period of transition, the current um, Abiy Ahmed came to power, who is himself Oromo, and then the, uh, the Tigrayans once again found themselves um, on the outs with the central government. And then there was the uh, Eritrean aspect of the situation. Uh, Eritrea had been a part of Ethiopia until um, 1991 and was seeking its, um, its independence. So uh, uh, Mele Sanawi and the uh, now dictator of Eritrea, Isaias Afwerke, were sort of um, aligned against the, the central government under, under Mengistu. But then they 
after uh, Eritrea broke away, they shortly fell out over border demarcation and went to war. So uh, the uh, Eritrean and uh, Ethiopian governments were at odds with one another. But uh, then the, the current fellow, uh, Abiy Ahmed, made peace with them, made peace with Eritrea, won the Nobel Peace Prize for it. And now it appears that the, uh, the central government of Ethiopia and the, and the Eritrean regime are, have um, uh, unified against the Tigrayans. Yeah, so um, those are, this is a pretty good recap of uh, historical context. Uh, just to add though, um, with, uh, if we go back the last 70, 80 years, um, we get to see few things that are repeating itself, like they're repeating over and over and over as as uh, uh, for, for the regular grind. That is um, weaponization of starvation. Um, right. Well, we saw that being, in the eighties, and we're seeing it again now. Exactly. So when you look back uh, at the time of uh, Haile Selassie, uh, the king, the last king of Ethiopia. Um, there were famines that were taking place uh, within uh, in, in, in northern Ethiopia, but primarily in Tigray. Uh, when these famines happened, no assistance went there from the humanitarian side. Um, this is in 1964 uh, uh, and in 1974 as well. Uh, there have been multiple famines that took place uh, that where aid wasn't going to Tigray. So that's one. The second one is in 1984 85. The famine that, that we are the world together, the, the world really saw the horrific uh, famine taking place, a biblical scale uh, famine that took place in, in northern Ethiopia, but primarily in Tigray, again, uh, that where aid uh, was not allowed to be sent to Tigray. Uh, aid agencies couldn't provide uh, humanitarian assistance to the people of Tigray. And then what we're seeing is now, um, uh, all assets, all of the, 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 the first, the locust invasion really uh, did major harm to Tigray as a region. But secondly, um, all of all of uh, grains that were in Tigray were looted. At the same time, uh, you have aid agencies not allowed to go into Tigray and provide necessary aid to the people. And so just a repeated cycle of newer governments coming in and, and, and really hindering the livelihood of the average Tigrayan. This has been historically documented to show um, governments rarely, rarely do um, the right thing by, by, by allowing unhindered access to Tigray. So that's, that's the component here. Uh, but when it comes to the other components that you covered, um, Mergistu's rule was centralized rule. And there were a lot of ethnic groups that weren't happy with that. The Selassie's rule was a monarchy, meaning it was a, a king who was at the top and any of his family members would govern the rest of the country. You would send someone to govern one state, you would send another person to govern another. Meaning- Are you, are you talking about the, the old monarchy of- The, um, the, the monarchy system was uh, basically a pointing of the elites who would basically control all of power. They would control all of land. Under Haile Selassie. Under Haile Selassie, yeah. right? Yeah. And then when the Dirk regime came in, the Turk regime, meaning that of Mengistu, the kind of yes. kind of communist dictatorship of uh, that period. Yeah, exactly. And then also at that time, it was the elites that were controlling things. Meaning, uh, there was a push for one language. Everyone in, in in Ethiopia, if you were to have access to going to school, you would have to be taught in Amharic. Amharic right. is a foreign language to everybody except those in the Amhara region. 
it's not their mother tongue. Everyone right. has their own distinct languages that they can yeah. learn. It. So uh, religion was a problem. You couldn't practice a religion faith that was outside of the Orthodox or the, the uh, uh, Islam. And so, so what you would see is... Okay, so what, what would the other religions be apart from uh, Christianity or Islam? Uh, Protestants, Pentecostals, mm-hmm. um, Judaism. You know, there are many other religions that... They were very small, but they are still religions right, that, right, that right, some right. parts of the society practice. Okay, so they, they were suffering persecution under the uh, the, the Medici regime. Yeah. But with the comings of uh, EPRDF in 91, um, there was a coalition of four parties that represented the Tigray region, the Amhara region, the Oromia region, and the Southern People, Nation, and Nationalities. All four uh, states had a coalition of parties that represented those states formed the federal government, along with sister organizations that represented the Afar, the Somali, uh, Ben Changul, uh, Gambela, um, and also the federally administered uh, cities of Gerdawa um, uh, and Adikawa. So meaning that the EPRDF is a collective of individuals from different aspects of um, Ethiopia around the country. In doing so, there was a perception that EPLF was the uh, the actual leader, but that wasn't really the case. Melasinawi um, was the prime minister, uh, but on the parliament, it was population-based. So based on your population, you have a, a parliament members who represent this region. And you look at the uh, the parliament videos from uh, during the times of Melas, or even Halamaram de Saling, which was the, 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 the uh, prime minister after Melasinawi passed, um, who was from the Southern People, Nation, and Nationality, by the way, uh, you would see that the people that made up the parliament were representatives of Ethiopia, Muslims, Christians, folks from Oromia, Tigray, Amhara, Somali, Benchangul, Gumbaz, Kambiala, and every aspect of society. That's the first time where we see a true representation of Ethiopians from different aspects of the country, from all different 84 or so kind of groups coming in, being in the parliament, making decisions that would best advance the, the, the national interest. Um, now, with that part, there's still issues within the country. This is, mind you, this is a country who just transitioned from a dictatorship-like um, communist rule to a democratic nation. So there was a new constitution in 1995, was ratified in 1995. We had the first election in 1995, first election ever in Ethiopian history. And every five years since, we've had elections. There were some problems in some of the elections, there were smoother transition from uh, the other ones. But overall, we are heading in the right direction. Okay, this was when? What year are we talking about now? So, so 1995 was an election, first election Ethiopia held in 1995. Or that including presidential election. It is. It, it, well, there isn't a, um, or, not a pr- prime prime ministerial election. Exactly. So 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 federal election. Right. Federal so election. That, that that was won by Melisanawi. Yeah, so so the system is first you elect the, the, the parliament, and the parliament would elect the prime minister. Right. That's that's, that's or select the prime right. minister. Right, yes, 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 yeah. yes. So uh Melisanawi was the prime minister then, ninety-five. There was another election in two thousand. And it was a following election in 2005 and in 2010 and in 2015. So we've had, uh, let's see, 95, 
2010 and 2015, so five elections. So the sixth election was to be held in 2020. And that's where Abiy Ahmed decided to use the excuse of COVID to avoid having a national election. Okay, so, so he had come to power in the interim in 2018 yeah. amid, amid protests yes. demanding a, uh, you know, some kind of a transition. What was the actual mechanism by which he came to power? So he was selected by EPRDF. He was a member of EPRDF himself as part of the OPDO, the, the Oromos uh, uh, part of the coalition. And so he was selected by the members of EPRDF in parliament. In parliament. Uh, yeah, so, so basically, the four parties do select. Uh, they have elections. So, so they, they selected who they want to be the prime minister the two years that are remaining after Halimar Mbisaling resigned his, his prime ministership. Mm. All right. So, but technically, he was brought to power by a vote of parliament. Yes. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Uh, yeah. But it was basically, he was selected by the party. Right, the coalition of EPRDF. But it's, it's hard to say, actually, it's, it's not the parliament, because the parliament is made out of uh, parties that are not part of the EPRDF, too. EPRDF is just a coalition of the four parties. Right. So the folks in the Afar region are just a sister party, but they're not part of the EPRDF. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are still part of the parliament. But they don't get to select uh, the prime minister because they're not in the bigger part of uh, the ruling party. Uh, well, this, this is all de facto, I assume. Yeah, but generally, I think uh, instead of like diving into the, 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 the weeds of the conversation in, in how the technicalities was, uh, Abiy Ahmed was selected by EPRDF to continue to lead the remaining two years, leading to the, uh, uh, an election that was to be held in right. 2020. What was to be held in 2020, but was not, was, uh, was postponed, yeah. precipitating the current crisis. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Now maybe we can talk a little bit about the role of Eritrea, which is, you know, I mean, they flipped sides multiple times in this con, in, you know, over the course of the past generations. They were uh, allied with, um, with Meles Zanawi when he was fighting Mengistu in the 80s. And then uh, when Eritrea won its independence, they fell out with Meles Zanawi and went to war. And uh, now they're allied again with the central government. Of um, of Ethiopia against the Tigrayans. So, what is the, uh, the 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 interest? What is the consistent thread running through all these flips in terms of Eritrea's um, interest in the region? Very good. That's a good question. So just to clarify a few things. First, um, uh, the Eritrean People Liberation Front, which is uh, the Eritrean side of the fight against Mengistu, and then you have the Tigray People's Liberation Front that was from Tigray and other uh, smaller organizations within the country, including um, Oromo Liberation Front, fought against Mengistu. But the, the idea was that power would be given to the actual people. Power is going to be decentralized and the people would have uh, uh, governing power. So in that process, um, in 91, EPR, uh, EPLF, uh, which was Isasa Forkis, the Eritrean side, the fight was for independence. So there was a referendum held by the Eritreans uh, in Eritrea that in, in, in 91, yeah. in which the UN recognized Eritrea as a, um, a sovereign nation in 93. But the first nation, the first nation to recognize Eritrea as an independent nation is Ethiopia, which is Meles and his, his rule, because 
believed in the um, believed in the government actually, or they believed in the people's will, which is for Eritrea to be independent. They recognized it first for anybody else in the world. The UN recognized it in '93, but after that, '98, the and the Eritrean government invaded Ethiopia, meaning they moved in in, in the Badama area, which is the '98 2000 war. Badama, Rona and Bure. These are four fronts in which the Eritrean troops were moving in towards Ethiopia. Okay, so after the 98 to 2000 rule, the the, the, the fighting stopped. There was no war, no peace uh, deal between Ethiopia and Eritrea. Right. They, they were technically at war, but they weren't actually fighting. fighting. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, it's the no war, no peace kind of deal. Right. Right. Um, after that, Isasa uh, Forki, uh, a hostile president, in, in 2001. I'm sorry, are you... Am I pronouncing his name incorrectly? No, no, you're, you're pronouncing it correctly. Isaias Afawerke. Afawerke. Yeah. Okay, that, that's who we're talking about. Yeah. He, um, in 2001, arrested uh, many of his cabinet members, uh, didn't ratify uh, a constitution for Eritrea, yeah. became the one-person rule in Eritrea. He mm -hmm. controlled everything, basically. And, and, and since 2001, he's been a very hostile, even before, but after he ousted met most of his cabinet members, G15, or referred to, he consolidated power and he was basically the sole person making decisions. I'm sorry, G15? That's, the, that's what they're referred to. They're called the G15. These are the cabinet members that worked with Isaiah Saforki prior to 2001. Mm -hmm. They were all arrested or killed. Uh, no one knows their whereabouts right now. Mm. Uh, and uh, from and then on, consolidated a one a one man autocracy. Exactly. So yeah. after after that, after that, you see Tasafwarki um, working with the uh, the Islamic Court Al Shabaab in Somalia, in which it resulted in sanction against Eritrea. Uh, in the last basically twenty years, uh, Eritrea functioned as a as a nation with rule of law. I didn't have a constitution. I'm sorry, you gotta say that again. I, I missed you. Eritrea uh, was functioning as a as a uh, lawless country, basically. Oh yeah, no no rule of law. No rule of law. Gotcha. Yeah. So when Abiy Ahmed came to power, uh, this was an opportunity for Isaiah Safwaki to wage his vengeance against the people of Tigray, who he has taught the Eritrean people to believe your enemy is the people of Tigray. After the 98 to 2000 war. All right, I'm sorry. Say, say that again. He's taught the people of uh, Eritrea, Eritrea that the are, are what exactly? Their enemy. Or now, why? Well, because of the war. The war in 98 to 2000 happened primarily on the border of Tigray and Eritrea. Mm -hmm. So, but they were allied before that. Yes, back, they were in the 80s, they, back in the 80s, they were allied with one another. Correct. So the, 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 the thing is, Sassafwarki had greater uh, ambitions to become the, the main politician in the Horn of Africa, to be the, the actual the leader of the Horn. That was short-lived because the Ethiopian government got stronger, the Kenyans got stronger, uh, and, and basically the regional political influences were not there for him to become the leader of the Horn of Africa. Well, just like um, Mangistu had been favored by uh, by the by the Soviets, 
Phyllis and Awi had been favored by the U.S. and the West, whereas Eritrea in the 90s became more and more isolated, kind of became like uh, uh, Albania or North Korea, Albania back under communist rule or North Korea in being extremely close to the outside world. Yes. Yeah. And you, you have uh, generations and generations of uh, kids who are uh, conscripts of military training and uh, the one university that existed got shut down. The system in the country was failing and he wanted to uh, redirect that to the Tigrayans who have hindered the ability for the Eritreans, basically not taking accountability for his nation. And he wanted to shift the blame into the Tigrayans. And this is just the teachings that happened to many Eritreans. Which, okay, he wanted to shift the blame for what to the Tigrayans? That they hindered their abilities to, to, to become a, uh, a Singapore that they've uh, strived to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and um, how so? Why the, Tigray the, the Tigrayans? Why, why did he uh, single them out? Uh, well, because they're the closest to Eritrea, and they were his political competition in the region. Okay, because so let me, uh, <laughs> let me try to make sense of this. The, the Tigrayans straddle the border. Are there Tigrayans on the Eritrean side as well? Correct, yeah. So Eritreans are primarily a Tigrinya-speaking public. Uh, about 57% of the country in Eritrea is a Tigrinya-speaking uh, tribe. Okay, and there, there's, there's three terms, three uh, ethnic groups, which I don't know if these, uh, if these terms are interchangeable or not, but you, you, there, there's the Tigray, R-A-Y, mm -hmm. the Tigray, R-E-T-I-G-R-E, -E, and then there's the Tigrinya, are all these groups the same or related? So Tigray with the R-A-Y is a region in Northern Ethiopia. Right. And it's a Tigrinya. Tigrinya is the language. Aha, uh -huh, okay. And then Tigrinya tribe in Eritrea is the biggest, which has about 57% of the population. And is also Tigrinya speaking people in the, on the Eritrean side. Okay, so Tigrinya is the language of the Tigrayan people. Yes. And then right. the Tigrinya tribe. If, if they are the on both sides of the border, if they're in Eritrea as well as in as well as in the Tigray region of Ethiopia, how are the Tigrayans in Eritrea faring? Are they also coming under persecution? Well, every, I think uh, we don't know this because it's an Eritrean internal matter. Uh, everyone in Eritrea is subject to government um, punishment. So that they're subject to what? To government punishment. So the, the, right. the government of Eritrea punishes all Eritreans equally. It doesn't doesn't say one is uh, uh, over the other. I, at least that's not what I think uh, happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to add one more thing. The Tigray, the T-E-G-R-E, uh, -E, yeah. another tribe, which have some similarities, but it's not technically the same as the Tigrinya-speaking people of Tigray and the Tigrinya tribe of Eritrea. It's, uh -huh. a, it's a separate um, tribe within Eritrea. A separate, a separate but presumably related people. To some, to some capacity, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But overall, um, there's a generational uh, feud between the Tigrinya speaking of Eritrea and then the Tigrinya speaking of uh, the Tigray region in Ethiopia. Because, you know, historically, Eritrea was an Italian colony. Right. So there is this separation of the two identities. Historically, they're 
the same people. Uh, it's just because of colonization uh, and, and a long period of fighting against the Ethiopian rule, there's been hostilities between the Tigrinya speaking of Tigray and the Tigrinya tribe of Eritrea. Uh, but then that went away when the two, the EPLF and TPLF were jointly fighting against the Dark regime, which is when the Ottoman regime. Um, and it was reversed back after the 98 to 2000 war. Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, and the Zaya Safwerke is, uh, he is him, himself of what ethnicity? He's uh, the Tigrinya tribe. But he, you know, many, many say that uh, he does trace his bloodline to the Tigray region of Ethiopia, actually, in some capacity. All right, so he's basically, he's persecuting his own people. Yes. I mean, yes. ethnically speaking, this Correct. is what I, I'm not quite getting here. So are the are the Tigrayans kind of like you know the favored group in Eritrea, and uh, and, and of where sort of has designs on Tigrayan uh, uh, territory in Ethiopia. He'd like to annex it ultimately, yeah. and and for this reason he's persecuting the Tigrayan people there who who want independence. Well, the Tigrayan people are were historically for the last three thousand years Ethiopian. They believe to be Ethiopians. They've worked hard to be Ethiopians. The incidents that we are living in today makes it extremely hard to identify as Ethiopians. Now, when it comes to annexation, outside of what the, what the Amhara special forces and Amhara militias are doing, the Eritrean troops and the Eritrean government all together are trying to annex some part of the northern Tigray region. For example, they have been passing out Eritrean IDs residents of the Tigray region of Ethiopia for the last six months. There are regions, there are smaller tribes within Tigray, like the Iro and the Kunamas, who are in, on a verge of extinction because of the Eritrean troops who have actually wiped out the region or they have been passing out IDs to turn those folks to become Eritreans instead of Tigrayan, the Tigray region of Northern Ethiopia. Aha. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Okay, well, we should point out that, uh, you know, Eritrea sort of emerged as, a, uh, as an Italian colony. The Italians, uh, you know, they tried to um, take over Ethiopia. They occupied it starting in 1936. They were driven out um, by uh, insurgents in the, um, and I believe uh, by British intervention in the Second World War. Um, and uh, Eritrea at that time, was sort of um, seeking its independence uh, even, even before uh, Italy had taken over the rest of Ethiopia in 36, they had sort of established the coastal area around Eritrea as a stronghold uh, from, from which they launched the, the general invasion of the rest of Ethiopia in 36. So there was sort of this precedent established that Eritrea was a separate entity and uh, they were petitioning after the war in 45 to, for their independence, and they were sort of um, uh, uh, bought off with promises of local autonomy, which were, which were then reneged upon, and the uh, the monarchy, the Ethiopian monarchy, suspended their uh, autonomy. I believe sometime in the 1960s. So, um, <clears throat> that's yeah, and then that led to uh, where uh, ELF, Eritrean Liberation Front, to start. And then this is uh, where from 1961 to 1991, 
is this 30-year war that the Eritreans had against the Ethiopian central uh, federal government to become an independent nation, in which in 91, they held a referendum to become an independent nation, and they became an independent nation. And so, you know, the Eritrean question, um, you know, a lot of the hostilities that they had should have been towards the central government that was really uh, forcing them to become Ethiopian when they didn't want to, especially after being colonized by the uh, Italians. Mm-hmm. Um, what we, uh, you know, what uh, I want to make sure that you, know, you you understand is that all of what we covered today uh, really gives a historical context of what took place, right? Uh, but what we're seeing now um, is uh, something that has never been seen, meaning the people of the, the, the people of Tigray are being killed by forces of Eritrea, by forces of Ethiopia in the Amhara region, special forces and militias, all of them collectively punishing Tigray for collective punishment in the dark. So, meaning there's no telephone, uh, there, there's limited telephone access, no internet access. There hasn't been no uh, journalists allowed to, to maneuver around Tigray to document the things that are taking place. Uh, power outage is, it was out for a long time, but they restored it and it goes in and out. Many people are displaced within Tigray, uh, 2.3 million people are displaced from their homes, internally displaced, meaning they, they, they can't move, they, they can't stay in their homes. They have to go to the mountains or other places. Uh, and then you have about 70,000 refugees in Sudan that fled Western Tigray uh, in, the, in the wake of this war. And then Just you over also, the course of the past um, six, six months. months. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. 70,000 people are in Sudan in the refugee camps. Wow. Uh, and, and so when you collectively see all of this, this is a um, this is a war against the people of Tigray. This is a war, a state-sponsored genocide that's taking place in the dark. And the international community is not acting fast enough. Okay, well, this this brings us to a very critical question: What are you demanding of the outside world? What what kind of uh, response would you like to see from the international community? Very good. So, um, the U.S. and other nations have uh, asked the Ethiopian government to withdraw Eritrean troops out of Tigray, the Amhara Special Forces and militias uh, to leave Tigray as well, and yet they haven't responded back to it. So we want more pressure to be applied to the federal government, the Ethiopian federal government and the Eritrean government to act and immediately remove their troops from Tigray. The Ethiopian federal government and the Eritrean government. Correct. Yeah. You know, and, and, and stop the war, stop the fighting. Then uh, we also would like to allow humanitarian aid agencies to go into Tigray unhindered, international UN-led agencies to go in and, and, and provide the uh, uh, highly needed humanitarian assistance, food, medicine, and proper shelter to the people of Tigray who are being displaced from their homes. That's two. Three, uh, UN-led investigations to take place in Tigray to document all the atrocities that took place and bring those that committed those atrocities to justice. Mm-hmm. And then four, for uh, national dialogue to take place. National mm-hmm. dialogue among all uh, parties within Ethiopia, all the different political parties, to have a conversation and, and draft out uh, the, the path in the future. So, mm-hmm. so these are very, very normal common sense demands that we're asking for the international community and to protect the people of Tigray. That's the main concern that we have. Okay, a couple of questions. First, uh, you haven't given up on the notion of Ethiopia. I mean, you're not actually calling for independence for Tigray region. 
You're, you still believe there's some possibilities for coexistence with the rest of Ethiopia under the Addis Ababa government? This time, um, it's hard to have that conversation. I would leave that to the people of Tigray to decide whether they want to be with, with Ethiopia or they want to be an independent nation. Um, it's not my place or it's not anyone that's outside of Tigray to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But the main thing that we are focused on now is that we save lives. Mm-hmm. People of Tigray are dying. There is, there is a mass rape, mass starvation that's taking place. There is extrajudicial killings that are happening that we've had on videos, like the BBC reported. Amnesty International have had uh, the massacre of Aksum. Uh, CNN has reported uh, another- uh, right, the, the massacre, massacre of Aksum. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, the massacre of Aksum uh, happened on November 28th and 29th, I believe. And that was where 800 or so individuals in the city of Aksum were killed, civilians. How, how right. many? Uh, roughly about 800. It's uh-huh. hard to determine the exact number. About 800 individuals, civilians within the city of Aksum were massacred in the city within the two-day period, and Amnesty International has reported on this. Although they didn't document 800, they, uh, they really went on and, and spoke to individuals that live in Aksum, as well as some that are refugees in Sudan, to collect information and based on their assessments. I believe it's 200 that they've accounted for. Uh, some reports that we've seen coming out from, from Aksum and, and from the international community is that Nearly 800 people were killed on those two-day periods. This is during a... Um, okay, Aksum- and by, by whom? By uh, Ethiopian central government troops? By Amhara militias? By Eritrean forces? Primarily, yeah, primarily uh, the, the blame is on the Eritrean troops who were occupying the area at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Ethiopian National Defense Forces and Amhara militias may have participated in the, in the massacre mm-hmm. of Aksum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, <clears throat> some people have invoked uh, the so-called doctrine of R2P, responsibility to protect for Tigray. Yes. So, now, yes. So, so, so that's the UN-led, um, you know, basically protecting individuals from, um, from massacres uh, that are taking place. So we, uh, we're wanting the UN to take a bigger uh, role in stopping the war and using all its diplomatic uh, abilities to to remove the Eritrean troops out of Tigray because they're causing a lot of the massacres, the lootings, the rapes, starvation. Uh, the same thing for the Ethiopian forces as well as the Amhara Special uh, Forces and militias. So this is this is a call that we make mostly to the UN. The UN is responsible, really, in, in these cases, to step up and, and come to the aid of the Tigray people. All right. You still think that you know diplomatic pressure is um, is possible here? Diplomatic pressure alone could work. I believe so. Uh, diplomatic uh, uh, pressure going as far as uh, putting a sanction on the country. Um, on, on Eritrea or on Ethiopia both. or both? On both. On both mm-hmm. countries, you know, placing a um, uh, arms embargo, um, freezing assets of officials and uh, not granting um, uh, diplomatic visas for them to, to, to travel out of the country. All these pressures must be applied on the government in order for them to abide by the rule. Now, what we're seeing is that undermining U.S.'s order, uh, undermining U.S.'s leadership in the world, when, when the U.S., the State Department, have requested air, the immediate removal of Eritrean troops, immediate removal of Amhara militias and special forces from Tigray, yet they have not acted on those. There is no proof 
that these these military personnel have, have been removed from threat. Anything has been intensified and they've added more troops to come in, especially from the Eritrean side. And yet, I mean, the violence is no longer at the level that it was we saw a few months ago. It's hard to say that because yeah. it's, it, there's a, a, a blockade of information. We're right. not getting the, the, the full picture of what's taking place in Tigray at this moment. Right. We don't know what, what's, being, uh, what's being done in the dark. Uh, communication is not there. We're not getting footages from, from the ground. Right. So, yeah. And yeah. troops are roaming around, hand-raping <clears throat> women, and, and the, the medical um, facilities that existed before have been all dismantled. You don't have a medical place for people to go to to get a checkup. You get the actual number of people that are being raped, for example. Um, there isn't a place that people can go to safely to actually look into things. So the situation in Tigray is hard to say right now. Like it's hard to actually know. Right. Very little that we know is a very scary picture. Yes, it certainly seems to be. Okay, Daniel, before we wrap it up here, could you just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the land and the economy of uh, the Tigray region? Is it fertile? Is there a lot of agriculture going on? What, what, how traditionally have people lived there? Very good. Uh, so the people of Tigray are primarily farmers. They farm um, their lands. They um, uh, they do uh, cattle. Uh, basically, you're just your average person of a farmer. That's how they exist. The majority of the economy is a farming. Uh, but also, uh, uh, it was moving towards a manufacturing um, state uh, in which there are factories that employed a lot of individuals within the cities. Uh, and, and people existed in that manner uh, for, for the last 20, 30 years. Uh, in terms of the land itself, um, there's a lot of natural resources. Gold is one of the primary um, uh, uh, natural resources that the Tigray has. Gold? Uh, gold. Yeah. Sorry. Gold is so the... Uh, there's a lot of mining going on? There, there is mining. Uh, I don't know to what scale. I have yeah. not lived in Tigray in a very long time, so I couldn't yeah. tell you uh, the scale of it. But yeah. Gold is um, uh, one of the natural resources in Tigray. Actually, about fifty percent the natural output uh, that would that, that was exported on the Ethiopian standard. So Ethiopia as a whole would export gold. Fifty percent of that gold came from Tigray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can see how significant that is from a region that is small. And is, and is there uh, you know foreign investment, the foreign corporations operating there, or is it mostly internal Ethiopian companies? It's, it's a nationally uh, ran institution, so meaning the, the base of the government ran institutions. There are some mining companies that, that run, but they're very small uh, in comparison to the federal government. Okay, and, and the land is green. Is there water or is it or is it pretty arid? So uh, it's mountainous. There's a, a lot of land that's on a flatland. Uh, on the western side and southern side, it's, it's primarily a, a fertile land that most farmers farm. Uh, in, even in the central region, a lot of farming takes place, but there is a lot of mountains. The terrain is uh, extreme, and, and uh, a lot of part of the eastern, the central, uh, as well as uh, the northwestern part of Tigray. Uh, and so it's a mixture of those. And then there's also a lake. Uh, there's a river. There are multiple rivers. Um, that actually, one of them connects to the Nile River from Tigray. It's because of river from Tigray and goes to Sudan and merges to the Nile River that goes to Egypt. Now, so, is, that the, uh, is that one of the branches of the Nile? 
It is, but it's significantly smaller compared to uh, the one that uh, the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam is on, um, which is a different river. That, 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 that's the Blue Nile, right? That's the Blue Nile. Yeah. There's a, a, a um, Kaza River that stems from Tigray and goes on north to Sudan and then connects to um, the, the actual Nile River. Uh-huh. So if, you, if you look it up, if you look at the, the Nile River, one of the streams that connects to it um, on the further north, north part is the Tekaza River. How do you spell that? It's T-E-K-E-Z-E. Tayeze River. Yep. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. Uh, one other thing that I may uh, add is um, there is a, uh, there's a dam that was built on the, the Tekaza River. Tekeze River, T-E-K-E-Z-E. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That that's the major river in Tigray. That's one of the major rivers in Tigray. One of the major rivers in Tigray, and Correct. a tributary of the Nile. Correct. Okay. But and is there the, uh, you know irrigation, agriculture? But uh, is it mostly cattle grazing, or are people growing crops as well? All all the above. So all around the area, you see that. And, uh, uh, what what are, what are they growing? Cash crops or subsistence crops? Uh, like wheat, barley. Yeah. Stuff kind of things uh it's a uh, pretty consistent and then vegetables fruits mm-hmm. um all of that uh, it's it's a uh, one of the leading and then fishing is a uh, big in there as well uh, but what i want to point out is that um the Tekeza river also has a dam there's a dam that was built uh during Melissa's time uh, it's one of the dams that he built across the country and that dam uh was providing electricity output and that dam was uh was bombed by Ethiopian federal forces uh, early on in the war. Oh my goodness. So uh, public infrastructures of that nature, uh, public consumption were being bombed early on in the war. uh, And then a lot of the other factories were looted in the process. It's basically the the, the collective effort of all these forces was literally to destroy everything that had dear to itself nation all right uh well uh daniel any uh any any closing words for uh <clears throat> listeners in uh well i guess it could be all around the world uh, on the internet but primarily i would imagine in uh in the united states who may maybe have only been you know vaguely aware of this conflict what what yeah. kind of uh, uh you know uh, response would you like to see from just you know ordinary uh or ordinary people here in the west so as a team here at Omna, um, we work together to, to bring awareness and uh, we uh, typically have uh, petitions that we ask uh, people to sign, um, you know, bringing an end to this war for different reasons, for um, weaponizing starvation, weaponizing rape, to uh, no looting and pressure on the World Bank and IMF, a whole bunch of different uh, targeted uh, campaigns that we have where we provide petitions. And so we ask for the international community, the people listening, anyone um, that can be of help, sign those petitions, to get engaged on omnatogaya.org and, and get behind uh, some of the Twitter campaigns that we have. We have Twitter campaigns that basically touch on uh, different segments of the war, targeted. Uh, what what does the name mean, Omna Tigre? What does Omna mean? Uh, om- Omna is a tree, our tree. And Omna Tigray is, is basically uh, a tree of Tigray. That's, that's, that's what it means in, in uh, the Tigrinya language. Um, it's very symbolic. 
we, we are part of that pre-Ethnic that live abroad in the West and in various uh, parts of the world. Mm. It was just a, a way of us coming together, very, um, uh, very uh, purposeful name. So organizing is a species of tree. It's a kind of tree. It's a tree. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of the national tree of Tigray region. It's not a, it's not a specific tree. It's the, it's the name tree in itself. It's a tree. So, so we're basically, you know, trees have branches and stuff. So that yeah. we're the branches of that tree. So it, it's the, that uh, is, is the word for tree in the, uh, in the Tigray language. In the Tigrinya language, yes, correct. Tigrinya language, great. So uh, going back to what I was saying, um, so we, we, we want the international community, the, the, uh, our, our friends across the world, to basically, you know, get behind some of the campaigns that we work on. The, more importantly, we would want them to, to call the representatives to tell them that they're very deeply concerned and, and they would uh, want their representatives to act um, end the war on Tigray, uh, the genocidal war that's taking place in Tigray. So that's another key component. Um, and then just spread awareness. Let your friends know, you know, um, when we have protests in different cities, attend to learn, invite others. Um, and, and hopefully we get more media coverage that uh, this information gets out and, and it's out there in the world to everyone that's, uh, um, that may come in and assist. Okay, well, Daniel, like, thank you so much for your time. Definitely stay in touch with us. We at Counter Vortex will uh, you know, loan any support we can in terms of uh, trying to raise awareness about your efforts. <clears throat> We've been speaking with uh, Daniel Woldu of Amna Tigre online at omnatigre.org. And uh, again, Daniel, we thank you so much for your time. This has been the Counter Vortex with, uh, with Bill Weinberg online at countervortex.org. You can check us out online and uh, stay uh, in touch with our coverage of the conflict in Tigre and many other conflicts around the world. This has been the Counter Vortex. Join the Counter Vortex, join the resistance, and rant on you next time. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Daniel.